0: Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and join the Facebook group. Uh, the more members, the better. And we're always looking for sponsors. Brian back there has got that empty space. He'll, he'll put your info up there. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. With me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King. From the Sunshine State Sports Jabber podcast and the Walker Report, Bradley Walker. And, of course, Kevin Adams. We're joined by a special guest tonight and we're really happy to have him because who better to talk baseball than a a former baseball player. Uh, He played 11 years in the major leagues with the Dodgers, Pirates, Braves, and Astros. In 1986, he set the major league record for assists by a first baseman. He's played in two World Series with the Atlanta Braves. And of course, he's remembered for the picture behind me, the slide heard around the world in uh, in 1992, Game 7 of the National League. Um, classic series, to beat the Pirates, put the Braves into the World Series. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sid Bream. Thank you for being here, Sid.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me, let me give you a little bit of a roll hat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Pre- appreciate
0: it. Appreciate being here. And, you know, we, we got to have that famous image up. I mean, that's
1: that's one of the most yeah. famous things in baseball. So. The, 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 the grimmest scene around the world. I mean, as I was sliding in with all my bad knees.
2: <laughs> I ruined my childhood for Pittsburgh Pirate baseball. <laughs> uh, believe me, living in Pittsburgh,
1: I've heard that too many times. <laughs> so uh, after the
0: date, debate tonight, we're gonna have a you know a little Q and A with Sid about his career. Um, tonight's debate, we're doing a show that we like to do here on Legacy Battle called the Mount Rushmore. Um, tonight's is. The second Mount Rushmore of the New York Yankees. We kind of all came to an agreement that uh, the first Mount Rushmore is Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. Um, hard to knock those guys off their pedestals. So we're gonna we're gonna be debating the second Mount Rushmore. Each of us is representing two. That was randomly selected out of a hat, so there's no bias put into it that way. And the order tonight was also selected out of a hat before the show. So we're going to start tonight with Derek Jeter. All right, well, what
3: can you say about Derek Jeter? 20 years with the Yankees, um, he led the major leagues in runs once, hits twice. He went over that that uh, that threshold that all players want to go over, that 3,000 career hits. Uh, he was the 28th player to ever do that. He ended up with a 310 career batting average. Um, he won the Rookie of the Year in 1996, and he was a 14-time All-Star. Uh, when he uh, became eligible for the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame voters went to vote, 396 out of 397 of the voters voted for him, and that is the second highest uh, percentage in, his, in the history of the Hall of Fame. Um, he was one a really great fielding uh, shortstop. He won the Gold Glove um, uh, five times. Uh, particularly, I remember one play against Oakland A's when he went to the third base, uh, you know, the third base uh, side in foul territory and caught a ball. the The, uh, the wall there was only about two, three foot high. It, it caused him to tumble, and he went headfirst into the stands. And he still was able to maintain the ball. He stood up and was able to throw the ball to the second base, uh, you know, to get tend a a, uh, a runner at second base. So I mean, he was just one heck of a fielder. Um, he is the all time Yankees leader in hits, doubles, stolen bases, and games played. Nobody, there's never been anybody who's put on that Yankee uniform more, more times than him. Uh, he has a 321 batting average in the World Series, and he was known as Mr. November. Uh, nowadays, he's part owner of Miami Marlins. Um, he's, he's doing some work down there trying to get that, build that franchise. And you can't mention Jeter without talking about. You know, his, uh, his dating life, I mean, the way he was off the off the field. I mean, just this <laughs> amazingly beautiful woman. You have Mariah Carey, Vita Guerrera, Jordana Brewster, Jessica Biel, Minka Kelly, and now he's with Hannah Davis, who he has a child with. So uh, uh, he batted pretty well there in that regard as well. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Derek Jeter, one of the top Yankees of all time, in my
0: opinion. No doubt. Sid, I, I want to ask you, was there a – do you think there was a, a better – leader player during the late 90s
1: early 2000s and Derek Jeter. He, I mean he was he he has been such a great ambassador for the game. Um you know his his leadership on the Yankees ball team was uh unparalleled I mean and uh you know as as the stats shared right there I mean he is uh, you know not only should be on Mount Rushmore he he could be on Mount Rushmore one too, um, you know. He is uh, truly the epitome of a great shortstop. Everything that you could ever ask for, not only with his fielding, his throwing, but also with his hitting, his leadership. He is uh, he in my opinion he he would be number one on Mount Rushmore two for sure. You know, and it's
0: it's hard to find negatives about any of these guys tonight, but that's. Ultimately, the goal of us who aren't representing Jeter is to not get him on because we want our guys on. But I mean, with Jeter, I'll say th- I'll say this: he's actually my favorite player of all time. However, um, he did refuse to move. Let me, let, sure. me, let me
1: just say this, Michael: I, the yeah. only thing that I would say there is, I'm not a big Yankees fan. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, Derek Jeter, great great ball player,
0: absolutely. But yeah, yeah. So, so, so my knock on him, so to speak, is he, he did refuse to move from shortstop in his later years when his fielding was just absolutely atrocious. Um, A-Rod should have probably been playing shortstop. Now, granted, him and A-Rod, from what we are told, didn't get along very well. But, um, you know, that's... I mean, it was Derek Jeter, though. And should he really move from shortstop? But that... And, you know, he, he never really... You know, commented or condemned the the steroid usage of a and and Giambi. You know, and it, as the leader of baseball, he could have stepped up. I thought a little more on that. Kevin or Brad, do you guys want to add anything on Jeter?
4: He's my favorite Yankee, and I'm and I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of the the enemy of the Yankees. So yeah, he's my favorite Yankee. <laughs>
2: you, know, you know, Jeter his final game. I mean, he had this, the storybook ending, you know, two outs, he hit that, uh, walk-off single, uh, to score the game running, uh, run in his final, uh, game. Uh, I mean, that's perfect ending to, for a great career, for a great player. Um, but you know, and you did bring up the feuds with A-Rod, I mean, two of the biggest stars on a team having a feud back and forth going on and on. And, it's not good for the the locker room, um, but you know that's his leadership. Like he should have nipped that in the butt. A Rod shouldn't. They both should. They're both guilty, but that shouldn't be that shouldn't be going on in the locker room having a feud back and forth. And it wasn't just a short thing. Um, but just like you guys, I love Jeter, and, and to have that storybook ending, that was just the perfect ending to his career. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, that's that's like your your hopes and dreams is. You know, winning the game, you know, on the last hit on walk off fashion to retire. I mean, going off into the Sunset. Oh, and like,
0: that 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 was actually that was his last home game. Home He's game. Still,
2: yeah. Yeah. Last one Boston in front of He his home crowd. Right.
0: He did end with a hit in Boston. That was he walked off with a hit in Boston too. Just wasn't a game winning hit. But
1: yeah. Just guys, just understand this. I mean, in the locker room, I don't care what team you, you're on, I mean your family. And, and tell me what families don't have disagreements and arguments. And, uh, you know, yes, you could go back and forth, but you could also say that, uh, you know, that he, you know, he, you talk about him, but at the same time, why didn't, why didn't uh, the other one just be submitted? And I can't even think of his name right now. Um, and I apologize. But A-Rod, 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 A-Rod. why Why didn't he, why didn't he just submit? I mean, and just say, hey. For the better of the team, you know, I will take third base and, and, uh, you know, Derek can stay at shortstop and, and everything could have been resolved that way too. So you can yep. put it on Derek, but you can also put it on A-Rod. As big of a name as he was, he, he could have been able to just say, hey, let's let's, uh, let's let this happen the way it is. Let's not cause a big feud on the team. And uh, let's get playing the game of baseball. But, but every team had had their struggles. Every team had their, their opportunities to have their little quarrels and and debates and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I, I just I don't I don't really see a whole lot in that. All right, let's move on to Reggie Jackson.
2: Uh, yep, that's me. That's, okay,
0: I
4: couldn't remember. <laughs> so that. yeah, so
2: you know Reggie Jackson, man, he's he's a power hitter. He definitely um, he had a bat. Um, you know, he played twenty one seasons in the major leagues. Um, four uh, years uh, in, with the Yankees. He also split time with Kansas City, Oakland, and Baltimore, um, and, and California Angels. But um, he did get inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1993. Um, I'm sure Jeter will will follow, um, obviously. Um, but Jackson got got his nickname from a Yankees teammate, Mr. October. Why did he get that name, Mr. October? Because the man was clutch. The man was clutch in big games, in the playoffs, in October, Um, He hit three home runs in a World Series game six um, for the Yankees to clinch the series. Um, He reached postseason 11 times. He helped win six pennants, five World Series wins. He won both regular season and World Series MVP in 73. He hit over 500 home runs. He had 563, which was six all time when he did retire. Um, He maintained a 490 slugger percentage. Um, He was named to 14 All-Star games. Uh, He won two Silver Slugger Awards, um, AL Most Valuable Player, two World Series MVPs. He got the Babe Ruth Award in 77. He uh, is uh, one of only 10 players to actually have their jersey number retired by two different teams. Um, He had his jersey retired by the Yanks in 93 and then the A's in 2004. Um, And he's one of only... uh, Four to have different numbers retired by two MLB teams. Now, when he went to you know the Yankees, he wanted his number, but it was already taken. Then he tried to get another number, and another player had it. Um, and he actually picked 44, uh, or he wanted 42 um, for Jack Robinson, but that was taken. He ended up with 44. Um, but uh, in uh, 1999, he was placed 48th on the Sporting News 100th 100 Greatest Players uh, Baseball list, and he had he had a quote that he, he had mentioned uh, I feel the most important requirement in success is learning to overcome failure and you must learn to tolerate it, but never accept it. And I think that kind of helped him. I know he had some struggles, um, at the plate at times, but you know, he didn't let it bother him and the man was clutch. He hit home runs. Um, one of the best home run hitters back in when he was playing. Um, and he had his Jersey retired by two teams and he made the hall of fame. So do you think
0: that, um, he played five years for the Yankees. You think that's too short of a time for him to, to be considered on
1: on their Mount Rushmore? I mean, you know, that's that's gonna be up to you guys. I mean, shoot, you you gotta you gotta consider his whole career and the only thing I would say to about Reggie is yes, he had tremendous stats, but to my knowledge, what I've always heard is he's but he was a negative in the clubhouse. And um, and that to me takes away a lot of uh, takes away a lot of his stats uh, when it's all about him and not about the team. Agreed. And hey, let
0: us not forget he tried to kill the Queen of England in the Naked Gun. So, <laughs>
4: <laughs> good point.
0: Good point. So, you know, if he's trying to kill the Queen of England. <laughs> he could be a, a, a negative uh, impact there. Um, Brian or Brad, anything you want to add about Reggie?
4: Didn't he, didn't he hit four straight home runs in a World Series game? Wasn't he the only player that's ever done that? Yeah. Am I right or wrong? I
0: believe that's correct,
2: yeah. 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 When he hit three in that game six clinching.
0: Okay, that was three. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Brian, anything you want to add? Nope. I think Brian's froze. So yeah, I believe uh,
3: you're right. Uh, uh, it's that he that uh, he struck out a lot, you know, I mean.
0: Oh he's he's going in and out there Brian. So I'll just add this about Reggie Jackson. Um Bleacher Report voted him in the top 13 biggest jerks in baseball history. Dude, that was one of the- So all right, you back
3: Brian? Yeah, I think I'm back now. You hear me? Yeah, we do. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry about that. I was just going to say that um one of the one of the things about Reggie Jackson is that he struggled uh, a lot of times with strikeouts. So a lot of times he led the – he actually led the majors in strikeouts. So. Oh,
1: wow. He goes out again. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, so – uh, so, so with all that, Michael, I mean, shoot, today nobody would be considered for Mount, Mount Rushmore because all the home run hitters strike out so much. They could care less about getting – putting bat on the ball unless they so, hit a the home run.
3: Um, that, that was one, one negative. <laughs>
0: But uh, to, to, to your point earlier, Sid, about, um, you know, his negativity, I know uh, he, he belittled the team captain, somebody we're going to talk about later, Thurman Munson, quite a bit. And that caused a lot of friction in the clubhouse uh, back in the day. So, um, well, well, Brian's figuring that out. We're going to move on to our next player. And that actually is Thurman Munson.
4: All right, guys, Thurman Munson spent all 11 years of his career with the New York Yankees, uh, having a two ninety-two batting average. He won two World Series in 1977 78. He was named the team captain, the first since Lou Gehrig. Uh, he was considered the heart and soul of the Yankees. Uh, they did retire his number 15, and, in fact, his locker is still there in the new Yankee stadium that they built. Um, on, you know, uh, he did die in a plane crash that, uh, saddened a lot of Yankee fans. Um, actually a lot of sports fans in general, not so much just Yankee fans. Um, just an overall great guy. Um, like I said, a heart and soul of a team. That's, that's a pretty big honor to have, especially for the New York Yankees, one of the premier baseball teams in all of the majors. So I would
0: say, uh, Thurman Thurman was a great ball player for the Yankees. A lot of topics that, uh, that come up on this show often is, um, what if, you know, Thurman Munson's kind of a the big what if. Um, he was being compared to Johnny Bench quite a bit uh, when they were going, you know, Johnny was in the National League, of course, but uh, Thurman was in the American League. Um, there's really nothing bad to say about Thurman Munson, you know, God rest his soul, of course. But I, I know, um, you know, he, he died... Bro,
1: just a little bit before you came into the majors, right, Sid? Yes, he he was uh, gone. I mean, I remember watching him quite a bit um, as a ball player. And again, I think I think you know, stats wise, yes, I mean, he was he was a pretty good ball player hitter. Uh, but stats wise, really doesn't measure up a whole lot for me. The big thing for me is he was he was a great leader, and 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 there was no negative to to Thurman. He was. He was uh, somebody that you could count on day in and day out, and uh, for that purpose, I mean, uh, he, he could could use could get some uh, some uh, votes for this Mount Rushmore. I've got his rookie card packed away.
0: Uh, unfortunately, it was the year Tops did the the black siding, and it's really hard to keep those cards in good shape. But uh, Brian, anything or Kevin, anything you guys want to add on Thurman Munson? It looks like Brian's froze
2: again down there, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, you're on mute. Oh, sorry about that. Um, so I mean, you know, it's a shame that you know he died early. You know, plane crash. We lost another great in Pittsburgh to a plane crash. You know, Roberto Clemente. Um, but you know, Thurman Munson. I mean, he had his jersey retired. It was pretty much immediately after after his death. You know, they paid tribute. Uh, to the cap, he was captain and they paid uh, tribute, um, uh, before the start of a four game series in Baltimore in the Bronx or against Baltimore in the Bronx. Um, you know, like you said, what if, like if, if he got to play out his whole career, would he have been as good as Yogi Berra? I mean, Dickey, would he have had better stats than them? I mean, he was definitely a good player. I mean, they retired his, his jersey for a reason. So just shame that we lost him too, too soon.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on to, to Don Mattingly. Donnie Baseball. I, I got this one. You know, if you're a Yankee and you want to be on the Mount Rushmore, you got to have a nickname. And Donnie Baseball was right up there with uh, Fernando Mania. I mean, he was pretty huge there for a while. Career 307 hitter. Uh, you know, that's pretty good. He won an MVP. He was also runner-up for an MVP. He's got nine gold gloves. One of the best fielding first baseman's Uh of all time three silver slugger awards batting average title rbr rbi title led the league in doubles three times um he homered in eight consecutive games and that's a record tied with ken griffey jr and he also has the record for six grand slams in a season um his plaque in in famed yankee monument park uh, this is this is a really great what they have on his plaque it says a humble man of grace and dignity a captain who led by example, proud of the pinstripe tradition and dedicated to the pursuit of excellence, a Yankee forever. I mean, that's that's some beautiful words about a player. Um, and Mattingly, lee has got charities out there. You know, he's helped underprivileged youth. George Brett said that Don Mattingly was the best player in the game during the 80s, um, a combination of pure hitting power and amazing fielding. Um, you know, he went on to become a, a – Hitting coach for the Yankees after he had retired, and players credited him for the record-breaking 242 homers that they hit in 2004. Obviously, the Yankees retired his number, and 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 just some stuff for you know off the off the field. Uh, he was a guest on The Simpsons, so you know it gets his name out there. And and he's also famous. Check this out: famous for his 100% cotton pants that split in a game all because of George Costanza. So, you know, (laughs) if you've seen that Seinfeld episode. Um, Brian, so while you're actually, uh, you're up for the man, what do you got on Mattingly?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, you said it's just the leadership aspect of Mattingly, it was just, um, it was just amazing. And, And, you know, we saw that throughout his career and then even whenever he became a manager.
0: Yeah. So, Sid, you played first base. I'm sure this one holds uh, special meaning for you. What can you tell us about
1: Don Mattingly? I mean, you know, again, a class act. I mean, as you as you shared that, uh, not epitaph, but, I mean, those words that were on that plaque out there, uh, held true big time with him. He was a clutch hitter, tremendous fielder, and uh, he was a great leader on the team. And... Uh, you know, again, just a, just a quality person, great ambassador. And, uh, you got to give him a lot of kudos. Okay. All right. So let's move on to, uh,
2: I, I want to jump in real quick. So yeah, unfortunately, I think Mattingly is another what if, um, because he had, you know, injuries that shortened his career, his, his stats. I mean, they haven't been able to get him into the hall of fame. He's not a hall of famer. Um, could he have been probably, um, but he's he hasn't he's been un- eligible I think since 2001 and he hasn't gotten enough votes to get in and we're 19 years now that he hasn't been able to get in. Um, but unfortunately, I think it's because of injuries. Injuries definitely plagued his productivity and his and his career. Okay.
0: All right. So next up, Mariano Rivera.
3: All right. Cue up that Metallica her Sandman. Um, <laughs> Mariana Rivera, nineteen seasons with the Yankees, um, most saves in Major League Baseball history with uh, six hundred and fifty-two. Um, that's that's fifty-one more than Trevor Hoffman, who's in second place. Uh, he led the major He led the majors in saves three times, and he had over forty saves nine times. Um, they put together this stat called ERA plus, which adjusts the players' uh, statistics based on the ballpark that they played in. And Rivera is the all-time leader in that in that metric as well. Um, he was part of five World Series teams, and he pitched in every deciding game of those series, uh, all five of those series. Um, now, in 2012, he had a freak injury where he was shagging fly balls uh, in batting practice, and he, he ended up tearing his knee up, and he had to you know that was the that was it for his season. And when they interviewed him. Uh, He was just really broken, and he was uh, thinking that maybe he was never going to play again. He said, I really don't know if I'm ever going to play again. But he battled back in 2013. He he decided that was going to be his final season. That was going to be his farewell tour. Um, He has 44 saves in that season, a 2.11 ERA, and he ended up being the comeback player of the year. Um, During that retirement tour, he received so much respect around the league. Um, countless places, everywhere he would go, and they knew it was his last you know, place playing there. They were giving him gifts. They were donating to his charity. Um, they went on to uh, – during the All-Star game, they had um, all the players came out from the dugouts of both teams, and they all gave him an ovation all at once. Um, and then they even had, uh, in the last game at, at Yankee Stadium, they actually had Metallica come there live to play the Inner Sandman song when he came out. I mean, here is, you know, one of the, uh, you know, probably the greatest heavy metal band of all time, one of the most well-known bands there ever was. And they, you know, they thought well enough of him to come out and, and to do that. Um, so, and, and then another aspect of, of his greatness is, you know, the sort of on an international scale, he's done a tons of work with um, uh, charity work uh, for his home country of Panama. And he's probably the most popular and, and most successful Panamanian athlete that there's ever been probably since at least Roberto Duran uh, back in the 70s and 80s. So um, just a tremendous character on and off the field. I mean, when you, just one thing you knew is when, when he was coming out of that dugout, he was probably going to save the game for the Yankees. I mean, he was, he was that good. He was intimidating. And he had possibly the best cutter of any pitcher that
0: maybe has ever played. Sid, bottom of the ninth, one run lead, was there ever a pitcher you would want more on the mound than than Mariano Rivera?
1: No, he. I mean, and, and the thing about Mariano, he was so dominant for as a closer for so many years. I mean, you think of uh, too many players, too many closers, they're there for, you know, a couple years, several years, but then they lose their effectiveness and you know, they're, they're, they're brushed down to the number two setup guy or the one before that. And uh, Mariano was just phenomenal for, you know, all his time as far as, uh, you know, up, up in that thing, except for that injury aspect of it all. And as Brian said, I mean, just a tremendous, just a tremendous character guy. I mean, and man of integrity, uh, just a super, super individual. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, one, one, uh, one that I would I would very, very much think should be on Mount Rushmore. He's a good Christian man and does a lot to, to help out the world.
0: Absolutely. Brad, was his cutter the best pitch in baseball?
4: Yeah, by far. I mean, again, being a fan of the Boston Red Sox, we you know used to hate Rivera coming in uh, except for a few times before. But I wouldn't go there. Um, but anyway, no, Mariano was my second favorite Yankee behind Jeter. I mean, there's, there's two guys that I would label as a true baseball players, the guys that were there every day. I know Jeter had a little bit of run in with A-Rod and stuff like that. Rivera never really had that issue. Uh, two great individuals, and you know, yeah. And Mariano was one of the best, if not the best closer ever in Major League Baseball.
1: I mean, and, and Michael, let me just add this. I mean, you're asking about his cutter. The thing, the great thing about uh, Mariano's cover cutter is he, he did just throw it in one place. I mean, he could, you know, he would he would he would uh, throw the cutter in on a lefty's hands, but he could also backdoor that cutter. Most guys throw the cutter one way, uh, and they don't have consistency if they want to backdoor the breaking back backdoor it on the outside part. Mariano could do that, but he also had the knack of knowing when to throw that stinking four-seamer too. Uh, that got a little bit more velocity, kept the ball up in the strike zone, changed the guys' eye eye levels, and so on and so forth. And and he he, he was just he was just a dominant dominant pitcher in the game. All right, let's uh, move on
0: to our next one. It's uh, Roger Maris.
4: Roger Maris. Okay, part of the Eminem boys along with Mickey Mantle. I mean, if you guys saw the movie by Billy Crystal, you all know about that. Um, he set the single season home run record prior to Mark McGuire. I still think, in my eyes, he still is the single season home run record because of McGuire and Bonds' steroid use. Um, he still has the American League in single season home run record. Um, uh, he all star in 1960, 61. He, of course, won the World Series in 61 and 62 with the Yankees. He was heavily booed because a lot of people wanted Nicky to win to win the home run battle. Man, you know, Maris was the one who did it. He did have the whole asterisk thing because he had more games than Babe Ruth. But, uh, yeah, Roger definitely deserves to be mentioned to go on the Mount Rushmore for
0: the Yankees. Kevin, what's uh, you got any thoughts there on Roger Maris?
2: Um, I mean, his, his stats are, I mean, they're good. Um, and uh, you know, he still holds the American League record, you said, uh, right, Brad? Yes. For home runs. Um, I mean, he batted a 260. I mean, that's kind of average, mediocre. Um, but I mean, he scored 826 runs. He almost had a thousand RBIs. Um, and uh, he, I don't really know much about Roger Maris, but, um, you know, eight. 850 uh RBIs isn't too bad. Um home runs 275 which, you know, again is mediocre, but um I don't I don't know too much about Roger Maris to be honest with you.
3: Let, let me jump in and say one thing about Roger Maris's season when he got the 61 home runs was I don't know if there's really been an athlete in baseball that was under so much pressure from his own fan base. You know, just to have it. I mean, they were never booing him for two reasons. First off, like like you said, Bradley, they wanted they wanted Mickey Mantle to win that record, and they wanted to preserve, you know, Babe Ruth, you know, Bambino legacy record too. You know, and it was like, man, the, the guy couldn't get any love anywhere. You know, and and so and he was still able to to break that record, which is, I mean, they made a movie out of that '61, and I mean, it, it, you know, when you watch it, it really brings
0: home to life just how, you know, how much that was such an uphill battle for him. Uh, like Mattingly, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um. So it's you know take that with a grain of salt. But uh, Sid, you've been in some high pressure situations. But uh, were you ever were you ever booed by your home fans like Roger Maris was?
1: Oh, I had many a times where I was booed. By them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean that was that was a given. I mean uh, you know, and I don't think that there's too many players when they're going through a little slump that aren't booed by their. You know, and especially especially in Philadelphia, especially in New York, and uh, especially in San Francisco. I mean, you know, some of the worst places to be playing a baseball game because, I mean, they will let you have it. Does he still have the home run record to you? I, I would say that, I mean, I've always continued to give Hank Aaron the, the all-time home run record just because of what was said there with, with uh, the steroid juice. Because uh, I mean, without the steroid juice, who knows if they would have ever gotten to seventy some home runs in the in the in the year? And at the same time, who knows how many more years they had had to play that could have got hurt? Uh, you know, with, yeah. with, with, with that steroid juice, and and uh, so I will always give Hank Aaron the uh, the all time home home run league lead, and uh, you know, as far as Roger in, in the American League or the or both leagues. You know, that's hard to say I mean I'm not I'm not gonna sit and say somebody couldn't have hit 60 62 63 but uh certainly a, a monumental task
2: okay. different time too you know different balls and bats like yeah. I think it's a lot harder to hit with a bat back then um compared to the bats well, they have now
1: i don't I, you know that that's one thing that I don't know if I would agree with I mean as
2: far as the bats back then I mean you know they
1: were they were logs I mean and, and uh, they were just as hard the bats that they used back then were just as hard now yes they probably didn't have the thinner grips I mean it allowed more whip on the on the bat and so on and so forth but at the same time I mean, they, those guys were using 35 36 ounce bats uh, that uh, obviously were a little bit more dense in the ball The biggest thing to me would be the would, would have been the baseballs. I yeah. mean, uh, the baseballs, you know, today are so much more livelier than... than They're juiced. Uh, back then. <laughs> the balls are juiced today, <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> you either strike out or you hit a home run
0: today, so...
1: That's exactly correct.
0: All right, let's uh, move on to Whitey Ford, the chairman of the board. That's another great Yankee nickname. Um, you know, sadly, he just passed away last month on October 8th. Um, but a little bit about why he's pitched game one of the world series, a record eight times. Um, and he has a record of 33.2 scoreless innings pitched in the world series. Um, he holds the Yankees record for wins with 236 starts strikeouts. He's got 1,956 and shutouts. He's got 45 of them. He's won the Cy Young award, um, led the league in ERA twice. Uh he also led the league in uh, wins three times in a season, um, you know, and he missed some time because he served uh, two years in, in the Army in, in Korea. Um, so that was two years serving our country that, you know, his, his stats could have got up there. He probably would have been a lot closer to that magic mark of 300 wins for a pitcher, which is just, you know, guaranteed, uh, you know, you live in infamy there. Um After his, you know, he became the Yankees pitching coach afterwards. He was actually a pitching coach while he was still playing for them. Um, And then coached many years after his retirement with them. In 2015, it was said he was the greatest living uh, Yankee legend. Uh, Sporting News ranks him as the 52nd greatest player of all time. He's a 10 time All Star, six World Series titles. His, um, His stats would have been even better, and this is a kind of a little-known fact, but his manager, Casey Stangle, who actually almost made tonight's list, um, he actually hurt Whitey's stats because he would save him to pitch against the better teams, even though it would be his turn in the rotation. So he wouldn't get to pitch against teams that weren't as good. So he always had to pitch against the better competition, so... And then, uh, you know, just a little bit off field, uh, he also was on the Simpsons, like Don Mattingly earlier, and, uh, you know, he even acted with Pierce Bronson and Remington Steel. So he's, uh, he's had a little bit of a career there outside of baseball. Um, let's see, Brian, you got anything on Whitey Ford
3: you want to throw in? I mean, it, it's just when you think about him, I can't think of many other guys who were like the ace of, a, of one franchise for so long. I mean, he just, you know, he just dominated that that role for so long. And, and like you said, the leadership that he, that he showed to the other pitchers, um, you know, he was thought his you know, his technique and, and his teaching abilities were thought so well that he became the pitching coach later.
0: If anybody on this show is going to know about good pitching, it's going to be Sid Bream. You played with Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, um, John Schmoltz, Steve Avery. Uh, gosh, I, I think you were with Draybeck for a while too in Pittsburgh, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, Cy Young's out the Wazoo between those
1: guys. Um, how does How does Whitey hang in there with them? I mean, I, I I mean again, just like it was said. I mean, as far as all the years that he was a number one starter, uh, you know, on a team, uh, to me, to me, Whitey Ford, I mean, was uh, one of those individuals that when you went, went out on the field with him on the mound, you had a great chance of winning the ball game. You, you had confidence that you were going to come out with a win, and and uh, when, you know when you have the confidence of your team uh, doing that, and then uh, you have to be one of those guys. That, I mean, shoot, you put on the put on the list for uh, top top of the list out of all these guys that you're talking about. Absolutely, every time he went out there, he's actually ranked fifth
0: all time in win percentage. So you think how many pitchers have pitched in baseball through okay. the years? That, that's amazing. to Be fifth all time. Um, Either Kevin or Brad, either one of you, just want to add anything on Whitey?
2: Didn't the uh, Yankees retire his jersey too?
0: Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, and then he uh, was also um, a Grammy Award-winning uh, musician. Everlast released a, a CD named after him. It was Whitey Ford sings the blues. <laughs> <laughs> That's not as good as
0: Reggie, Reggie Jackson trying to kill the Queen. Uh, that,
2: <laughs> but.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last player. That's going to be Yogi Berra.
2: All right, so Yogi Berra, he probably has a good argument to be on the first Mount Rushmore, to be honest with you. Uh, You know, he played catcher for the Yanks, um, took on a manager and coach role later on as well. But he played 19 seasons in the MLB. Um, Every single season was with the Yankees except for one. Um, And I I believe that last one was with the Mets. Um, He was like part coach, part player for the one season. Um, He was an 18-time All-Star, won 10 World Series championships as a player. That is more championship seasons or wins than any other player in MLB history. Uh, Career batting average 285, which is pretty good for a catcher, 358 home runs, um, batted in over 1,400 runs, 1,400 plus RBIs. Uh, He's one of only six players to win the American League Most Valuable Player three times, uh, he is widely regarded as one of the greatest catchers to ever play uh, in the history of the MLB. He was elected into the Hall of Fame in 72. Uh, Barra was a power hitter, strong defensive catcher. Um, he appeared as a player coach, like I had mentioned. Um, in, every, in every one of the 13 World Series that the Yankees played in, between 47 and 81, Barra was either a player or a coach. Um, So he had a hand in every single World Series appearance for the Yankees between those years. Uh, They retired his number uh, in 72, Uh, the Yankees did, uh, which Hall of Famer Bill Dickey uh, was one of the people that mentored uh, Barra, and that's where he got his number, and they actually honored both Barra and Dickey um, when they retired that number. Um, Barra showed he had crazy physical endurance by catching uh, an entire 22-inning seven-hour game against the Detroit Tigers. He, wow. caught, he caught for all 22 innings for a seven-hour game. That is insane. Um, he, was, he was named to the MLB All-Century team, uh, voted by the fans in 1999, uh, 98, Barrett appeared at uh, number 40 on the sporting news list for 100 greatest players. Um, when it came down to MVP voting, uh, between 50 and 57, He never finished lower than fourth in the voting between those, those years, 1950 and 57. He received uh, MVP votes in 15 consecutive seasons tied with Barry Bonds and only second to Hank Aaron's 19 straight seasons uh, for having MVP support Uh, from 49 to 55. uh, He was on a team filled with stars. You know, he played with uh, Mantle. He played with DiMaggio. um, But it was Barra who led the Yankees those seasons in RBIs for seven consecutive seasons. Oh. He was kind of like the underdog player. His stature, he was only five foot seven. He was a small guy. Um, but people, I think, <laughs> took that for granted. And I don't know why, because he played amazing. He, stats are great. You know, off field, um, before going to the Yankees, he actually served in World War II. He was at the beaches in Normandy um, as, a, as a gunner's mm-hmm. mate. Um so I mean this man I I can't say enough good things about him. He he should probably be on Mount Rushmore one, to be honest with you. You know, he's known for his yogiisms, uh a, as you will. Um, you know, two popular ones, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. Um and <laughs> ain't over till it's over. I've actually said that. I didn't even know that it came from him. Um, but I say that all the time when I'm in games and we're losing, you know. Um, and then <laughs> some of the funny ones, he was talking about a restaurant. And He's like, "Oh, nobody ever goes there anymore." And then uh, he paused and was like, it- "It's always too crowded." <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's he had he had those funny sayings. Like he was a funny, quirky guy. Uh, but he was he was definitely dangerous behind the plate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That, in your opinion, is he the greatest catcher of all time?
1: You know, I will just say this, Michael. I mean, I know Yogi truthfully from all his statements, and I didn't. I didn't realize how great of a catcher he was until I just heard all those stats. I mean, and that—that's the truth. I mean, I, you know, I always heard of Yogi being such a great player, but I never knew what he did, I mean, until I just heard all those stats right there. And, and uh, you know, I don't know what, you know, again, you, you also have to take into consideration, you know, what was his throwout rate at second base and so on and so forth. And I don't know what those were, but, I mean, just listening to his stats as far as hitting is concerned, I mean, man, I tip my hat to him. I mean, he he was uh, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal baseball player. We we live in offensive
0: times, you know. That's that's all people look at anymore. Is offense? Fielding's like so
1: overrated yeah, but, anymore. But you, but you think of you know you think of Johnny Bench. I mean, being so offensive, but I mean Johnny Bench was also the guy that I mean his his throw out rate right at second base was was one of the best. It's like the best. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and so you know, again, you you think of the, the the catcher. To me, I mean, is is one of the, if not the other than the pitcher and maybe shortstop, a catcher, is one of the top positions on the team, being able to handle pitchers, you know, being a psychologist with the pitchers, you know, being able to, to, to frame frame the ball, knowing how, knowing, making sure that the pitcher's not out there shaking off his pitches. He, he knows what that pitcher's thinking all the time, putting down the right pitch and so on and so forth. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of other things that goes into, to me, a catcher, uh, than just his offense. I mean, and throwing guys out. I mean, it's also all those other things. And and uh, it certainly sounds like Yogi, Yogi. I mean, being in the game that long was certainly one of those individuals that had the confidence of his pitchers, and and also did it offensively as well. Yeah, you have to assume
0: he called a good game because the Yankees were winning every year. Um, Brian or Brad, do you, either one of you, want to add anything on Yogi? I know there's really nothing negative out there about this guy, so.
3: I mean, just probably if you're looking at all these guys and maybe even throw in the guys that we put on the, the Mount Rushmore, uh, was there anybody that was had, had more of like a funnier kind of character that stuck out or, or somebody, you know, that you would remember for that? I can't, I don't think so. I mean, I know Babe Ruth was a, he was a character too, but I, I think even Yogi would have him be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before we go into our vote tonight, um, we're going to do our trivia question. So um, to request you for a prize, got to be a member of the Legacy Battle Facebook group uh, to win. So please join prior winners. You guys are still ineligible. Um, you got to answer all parts of the question and throw your answers in the comments section. According to the movie, Bull Durham, who is the all-time minor league home run leader, how many home runs did he hit, and what is a good wedding gift to give according to the pitching coach? So just throw your answers in the uh, comments section. And if you win, we'll get you... Prize mailed out. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to our vote. How we're going to do this tonight is we can't vote for a player that we represented. So that throws a, a little wrinkle into it there. Uh, so all of us will pick one. Sid, unfortunately, pressure on you. We're going to have you pick your four. And it, it can be the one of the ones we picked or whatever, but you'll get your own four. So, Kevin, you're in my top left corner, so let's start with you.
2: I mean, we got a lot of good players here. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with Mariano Rivera. I mean that that man when he came up to to close the game. I mean, you pretty much knew it was almost a guarantee the Yankees were gonna go away with the win, and he was gonna save, get the save. Um, his his pitching was unbelievable. 97 mile per hour uh, fastball. Um, great guy off the field too. Uh, I know he had uh, some mishaps down in Panama, but overall, dude was a great, great player, a great guy off the field. And I definitely think he, his stats are well-deserving to be on Mount Rushmore.
0: Okay. I'm going to take Yogi Berra. Um, everything you said, Kevin, I, I know he's a great player on the field, but as Brian mentioned, his character alone puts him <laughs> on a Mount Rushmore for me. Um, I mean, his quotes are are everywhere. They were even used in uh, Rocky Balboa, Rocky Six, or whatever they call it. Rocky Balboa, um, you know, and they, they made a joke of that. It ain't over till it's over, you know, coming from the seventies and something like that. So he's just such a character, such a great baseball player. Everything you hear about him, he was just a kind-hearted, good man. Um. And, and he just always smiled every time you see him on camera. The guy was smiling, you know, he had, like, he had the big ears. And, you know, he just even kind of looked like a character, just a just an all-around great guy. So, um, Brad, let's, let's go to you next.
4: I got to go with number two, Derek Jeter. By far, again, I got to watch him play, again, being uh, a fan of the team that played them a lot, that was the hated team. And uh, he was great, a great player overall. Uh, he definitely belongs on this one okay Brian
3: well I mean you guys all took some really good players I'm uh this is difficult but I don't think I'm going to go with Whitey Ford um just so consistent uh almost like a lunch pail type player but but to be the ace for that long um to be involved in, in all those all those championships just to be that 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 constant um Uh, During that era, uh, you know, uh, in the 50s and 60s there it was just, it was tremendous. I'm going to
0: go with Ford. All right. So the panelists, uh, second Mount Rushmore, is Derek Jeter, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra, Mariano Rivera. Sid Breen, let's hear your four.
1: Well, I would say this. I mean, guys, I mean, you nailed it on the head. I mean, I I would say this. Up until I heard Yogi Berra's stats, he was not in my uh, Mount Rushmore. I mean, but... uh, you know, hearing that, I mean, I had actually Don Mattingly in there before him. But uh, hearing his stats today, um, you know, my, my number one was Mariano Rivera. My number two was Derek Jeter. My number, but now I might have to change all that and put a Yo- little Yogi Bear first or second. Mariano Rivera first or second. Derek Jeter and Whitey Ford was my last one. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, with the consistency of Whitey Ford, the leadership, uh, I just have to put him in there as, as being one of those guys you have to put on, on Mount Rushmore, to, to. Okay, awesome. So he agrees
0: with us. That makes us look good. The professional agrees with us. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's, uh, let's move into our Q&A. Um, Kevin, go ahead and start us up.
2: All right, so I mean, I, I grew up, you know, I'm still a Pirates fan, even though they're, you know, again one of the worst teams in the league. But uh, you know, I I watched you play when I was a kid. Um, how was it thanks, uh, thanks for playing?
1: You're older, big guy.
2: <laughs> I'm playing I'm, I'm probably not as young as you think I am, though. Um, but how was it uh, playing for the Pirates in like you know the early '90s, uh, you know, late '80s, like with uh, Bonds and and Slyke and uh, Bonilla was there. Uh, What was it like playing with those guys and then locker room and everything?
1: Well, we had, you know, again, I I came in and started, I was traded over in 1985 to Bill Madlock, Cecil Westby, RJ Reynolds and myself came over. And, you know, as you know, and if you remember, we were terrible in 1986. We, I think we lost 103 ball games, but, but at that time they brought in Sid Thrift and Jim Leland, Sid Thrift being our general manager, Jim Leland uh, being the uh, our manager and um, and you know from that point on they started to put these additions onto our team as Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds, uh, you know Van Slyke, Andy, uh, Michael Lavallier, Jay Bell. I mean and every year you know it was it was so awesome to you know that they they saw the need they saw that hole that needed to be plugged and they, they brought somebody in in order to fill those plugs and and uh you know and, and so from 87 88 we knew that I mean we were getting close and so I mean to just to answer your question I mean there was such awesome talent there uh with Doug Drayback with, uh, you know, Bobby Bonilla, big old strong, you know, big old strong boy. I mean, uh, Barry Bonds, obviously, in my opinion, you know, taking away the steroid aspect of it all, probably one of the most dominant players there was in the game back then. And um, and then Andy Van Slyke, you know, great ball player, hitter-wise. But, I mean, as far as the outfield was concerned, I mean, uh, he, he could run them down with, Anybody that you want to put out out there, I don't care who you're talking about, Willie Mays, Otis Nixon, you know, whoever you want to put out there, Marquise Grissom, uh, he was one of the best and also throwing out guys at the plate or throwing out guys and uh, running the third or wherever he needed to throw the ball. I'm just thankful in 1992, the base hit wasn't hit out to him. It was hit out to Barry Bonds because if it was hit to Andy, I would have probably been out by about 30 feet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: Barry threw that Scott Norwood out there field goal, like wide left or wide right or whatever. Now, now, let,
1: now let's not get too you know. Barry slow <laughs> was not that bad, okay. I mean, you know, today's guys, I mean, can hardly get the ball to second base for the most part. I mean, Barry was a one yep. hopper just up the line, and uh, you know, so you got to give him a lot of credit too. But my speed took over in that instance, and I just blew past his ball. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: uh, I know all the guys are going to be asking a lot of baseball questions, so I'm going to ask you a different question. Um, I was hoping you could tell me, I know you're a part of it, the Christian Athlete International Program. Like, what can yeah. you tell us
1: about that? Well, Christian Sports International, I mean, it started back in 1992 and in the Pittsburgh area, but, I mean, it was basically designed for uh, – they'd go out and do baseball clinics for kids, uh, bring, bring individuals in to instruct the kids, but then – their over, over uh, overwhelming theme was to tell them about a relationship with Jesus Christ, which I am so much a part of. And uh, but over the years, I mean, you know, Christian Sports International is not only branched out from from uh, Pittsburgh now, but it's all over the place. It's out in California, in the in the bikers' world, and it's it's soccer, it's basketball, it's it's baseball, it's it's uh you know hunting they have a men's program now, you know, trying to get men to be men, uh, trying to be the, the people that are supposed to be in their families and so on and so forth. And, you know, something that's so desperately needed in our our, uh, our world today uh, is for families to be where there's, you know, the families to, to come together and and uh, be a family. And uh, so I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of Christian Sports International. It's, it's done a, a great job. I mean, I think it's seen over, in that time frame, it's seen over 650,000 kids uh, in their clinics and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it's really doing a great job of being a positive impact for kids and, and teaching them to be men and girls, or uh, well, boys and girls of character and integrity, but also sharing with them about the love of Jesus and hoping that they'll take up a relationship with Jesus Jesus Christ as well.
0: It's a great cause. I hope everybody will check out that, that website of theirs and, and, and donate. I know I've, I've donated on there. Um, just a, a really good program. Uh, Brad, Brad, go ahead.
4: Sid, I got a question. What is your opinion on baseball today compared to the era that you played in?
1: To me, baseball today is a selfish baseball. Uh, you know, it's um, it is, it is not about team. It is all about, you know, me, me, getting my hits. Not, not, you know, I, again, and I and I share that in regards to you, we already talked about it, home runs, you either home, hit a home run or you strike out. And if you hit your 25, 30 home runs, you consider it, you had a great year, but it, you struck out 250 times as well. Uh, you know, you had a guy at second base with, with nobody out. You don't care about getting them over to third base. I mean, for the most part, now there are some people that still do it, but I mean, for the most part, analytics say, you know, go ahead and, you know, hit the, hit the ball, but uh, you, you're letting out the team aspect of it all. I mean, I, and I share the example of Terry Pendleton in 1992 when he was a batting champion uh, for the Atlanta Braves. I mean, I saw Terry numerous times with the guy on second base would drop a bunt down to get the guy to third base, sacrifice himself for one reason and one reason only. To give David justice, say, "Hey, David, I, I trust you to get this in. and uh, you know today you don't find that. I mean, it's it's all about what I can do for myself, and if I help the team, great. And uh, that part of the game, I uh, I I'm just I'm just not thr- thrilled with at all.
3: Right. Brian. Uh, well, looking through your career, um, you played for Tommy Lasorda. Jim Leland, and, and of course, uh, uh, Cox there, and, and Bobby Cox with Atlanta. Um, what can you tell us about those great managers and, and, and how they related to you and, and how, like, their different styles?
1: Tommy, uh, you know, he made a lot of great decisions. I mean, uh, you know, I was uh, truthfully not a big fan of Tommy. But I mean, the one thing that I can give him credit for, he had an intuition about making calls. I mean, bringing people into the game whenever it might not have been popular and so on and forth, so forth. And and he really made some great decisions. Uh, you know, Jim Leland, by far in my time of the game of baseball, uh, the best manager that I played for, uh, was generally so far ahead of every manager that he was, he was up against. And uh, at the same time, he was a great psychologist, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever you want to say. I mean, he he understood when you needed to have a kick in the pants, and he also understood when you needed to have somebody tell a joke to you get you relaxed. And and uh, he, he was a great motivator. Uh, but like I said, I mean, he he was he was just so far ahead of every manager that I ever played uh, played against or that was on the other team as far as making his decisions, that uh, I give him the most credit of, of, of all, as far as the, my coaching staff. And then Bobby, Bobby was just one of those, as long as you were given a hundred percent, you know, you were okay with him. And and, and also looking to part, uh, Bobby was not one of those that I mean you could go out there and, and have your hat turned on the wrong way or, or have your socks, you know, in a, a different fashion, you, look, you needed to look like the baseball player when you went out onto that field. I mean, not looking like a goofball. And uh, Bobby really respected the game in that way. But he is also one of those, like I said, I mean, as long as you were busting your tail, uh, you were in good shape with him. I mean, but if you slacked off, he was, he was going to let you have it and let you have it good.
0: Do you have time for a few more? Or?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, we'll do one more each. Kevin, go ahead.
2: Um. Well, before I get into uh, my next question, I, I see that you um had uh you were a batting coach for the State College Spikes in two thousand eight. Yeah. I actually was uh, uh at Penn State uh, in two thousand eight. Um huh. And that, didn't that's it.
1: Why did not you come down and see me?
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know you were there. <laughs> he I was obsessed with
0: the- Joe Paterno. He didn't know nothing other than that. <laughs>
2: But anyway, so um, I saw that you attended Liberty University and uh, uh, your son went there too. And then uh, you played uh, some college ball in the summer of 1980. And then you were drafted in 81 by the Dodgers. Was there a team that uh, you were kind of like hoping that would kind of draft you? And like, what were you thinking, you know, around the draft day? Like, were you excited, nervous?
1: I mean, in all truthfulness, I mean, being at Liberty University at that time frame, I mean, I was just actually telling somebody today, I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. The Dodgers, the Dodgers has showed the most interest in me as far as in my college days. I mean, and you know, I hit hit over 430 every year in college. Uh, You know, with an NAIA school, we were fifth in the nation two years in a row. But um, uh, I wasn't real sure who was going to. To uh, draft me at that time, I'm thankful that the Dodgers did because back then, the Dodgers, I mean, were were well considered the best minor league organization in in the uh, in the, all the franchises. Uh, they they really took care of their minor league players with, you know, all of them having their own buses, uh, you know, private buses and so on and so forth. Triple A at one point in time had their own planes. Uh, but uh, they, they, they took care of their players, unlike a lot of other franchises. And so, uh, you know, there, there was always the statistic. I mean, if, if you were in the Dodger organization in single way, you had a 25% chance to make it to the big leagues where other teams was 10%. If you got the double way, there was a 50% chance that you would make it to the big leagues, 25% in another, and if you got to the triple way, you know the 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 chances of you getting to the big leagues were so much greater than uh, than if you were in another franchise back then. I mean, they were so well respected, and um, so uh, you know, in it, I guess to answer your question, I'm glad I was drafted where I was, um, but at the same time, I knew I knew I wasn't going to play for the Los Angeles Dodgers because Tommy Lasorda loved Greg Brock, who was the first baseman at the time, and and Al Campana's, the general manager, like Franklin Stubbs, was right behind me. And I knew I wasn't going to play for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So it was a blessing for me to get to the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, even though they were the worst game in baseball at that time. It, it still gave me an opportunity to get to the big leagues and start my career. Brad, go ahead. <clears throat> um, real quick, Sid, what
4: inspired your slide in 1992, the one that's behind <laughs> Michael right now?
1: <laughs> what inspired my slide? Well, trying to be fast enough so I wouldn't have been out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, good grief. I mean, you know, again, going back to that, I've often said, I mean, I shouldn't have been on second base. I mean, Bobby Cox, even to this day, said he had nobody to play first base. Well, that that wasn't the truth because Brian Hunter, he platooned with me and he pinched hit that 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 inning. And Francisco Cabrera, got the big hit. He also played first base. Our big big thing, if we were to tie that ball game up, was who was going to play second base because Mark Lemke was pinched hit for in the seventh inning and then Raphael Belliard was pinched hit for in the ninth inning and uh, so that we had nobody to play second base. And so a pitcher could have easily been out there at second base for me and uh, probably been into the dugout by the time I got to home plate. But uh, I was just able to make things exciting by doing that and – and as you guys know, I mean, it's still ranked in the top top five, top ten to top five, as far as most exciting plays in Major League Baseball history today, just because I made it so close. Yeah, Brian, go ahead.
3: But yeah, I mean, a lot is said about that about that play in the ninety-two uh, um, NLCS. Um, but going back before that, when you were when you came to bat in that in that ninth inning. I, against a, a, a tired Doug Drabek, and you were able to draw a walk. Can, can you talk about what was going through your mind during that at bat?
1: Well, I, I I often say, I mean, I go out on the speaking trail quite a bit just because of that play, but uh, the time before, I'd hit a double off of Doug. And, um, you know, so and at the same time, I've told people all along that when he was in, when we were in Pittsburgh, and, and even at that time, we were, my wife and I were literally godparents to his kids. I mean, you know, our families were really, really close when we were in Pittsburgh. And so I've, I've often said, I mean, can you imagine what his his thoughts were going through his head? Because he walked he, he walked me on four straight pitchers. Never gave me a chance to swing the bat at that at bat. And, and uh, can you imagine what was going through his head saying, man, I can't let the godparent of my kids beat me in this game. And, uh, you know, but... Uh, but yeah, hey, Doug, Doug. just pitched a masterful ball game. Uh, you know, it was it, it's sad to to think of of such a big game like that, and and you know, it was one of those that he lost the ball game. And uh, but uh, what a great guy, what a great pitcher. And um, you know, I'm thankful that we came back and won the ball game. Obviously, but but uh, it was it was certainly tough to see him go down and defeat at that point.
0: You, you, you mentioned um, the other first baseman options there, but I mean, you were by far the best fielding first baseman out of that three, so they, they had to leave you in, in my opinion.
1: But well, I mean, again, in, in a situation like that, you don't you don't take a chance on somebody getting a base hit, or you know, getting a base hit and, and making sure you have your your uh, top glove in at first base. I mean, Brian Hunter platoon with me all year long. I mean, so, I mean, it's not like he couldn't have played first base. Yes, I, I really truly believe that I, I was the best first baseman to be playing. I mean, not only there, but any place. I mean, I, I felt as though I did a great job, but uh, you always you always give yourself the best opportunity to win a ball game. And, if you know, if, if Frankie wouldn't have gotten the base hit, you know, then, hey, you put Brian Hunter out there and you live with the choice. But, again, you know, the, the, the play wouldn't have been close if they would have had one of the pitchers out there. And, um, but, you know, like I said, I'm thankful that I was there. Uh, it's, it's given me a platform to go around and do a lot of speaking. And uh, it's, it's kept me in people's minds. And, you know, that's, that's why I'm actually in Atlanta right now, because even 28 years later, people still think about that play. And it's given me opportunities that I wouldn't have had if I wasn't there.
0: We'll, we'll get you out of here with this question. Um, I'm going to take you back to 1986 when you set the, set the record for assists. Yeah. Um, I, I know Keith Hernandez won the, the gold glove that year, but. Um, no, nope. Glenn Davis did. It was Davis? Oh,
1: Glenn. Okay. Glenn Davis won it.
0: Well, that, that makes me feel even more that you should have got it. So yep. <laughs> I was wondering your thoughts about that. Um, like, did you feel you kind of deserved
1: it that year? I, uh, I mean, again, I, it wasn't something that I was, I was just uh, losing sleep over by any means. But if you look at if you look at raw stats as far as fielding is concerned, what the Gold Glove's supposed to be all about. I mean, uh, I certainly should have gotten the Gold Glove that year. Um, but Glenn Davis obviously was a bigger home run threat, uh, bigger bat that way, and, and uh, you know so. I guess you know the Gold Glove. they take taking it more consideration. Some of the other things other than just the uh, the the glove itself. But uh, you know, again, I prided myself my fielding. I mean, I I, I uh, gave my my guys the best opportunity not to get errors and and uh, love to love to charge on a pitcher when he was butting the ball. And if he made a bad butt, I throw him out. I love to turn double plays and and uh, that. That was what I took a lot of pride in, and, and um, probably was known more for my my glove at my end of my career than I was for my bat. But at the same time, loved the game, love being a part of it, and I was so thankful God gave me that chance.
0: Well, thank you for being here tonight. We greatly appreciate it. I mean, hearing about the. The run that broke three of our hearts because we all grew up in Pittsburgh. We all
2: live down in Tampa now, but it, it broke the, it broke the Pirates franchise for the next twenty some years. Well, that's that's <laughs> true. You know, I,
1: I think we all know Kevin. I mean that was that was going to be going on. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. everybody knew that they were going to start breaking up that that uh, yep. that group, and it's too bad. I mean, I and and again, I live in Pittsburgh, uh, and every year I'm hoping and praying that they they can put a team together to, to uh, do some contesting in, in the National League. But, uh, you know, we, we got to get somebody in there that understands the game of baseball and we will give them a chance. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, thank
0: you again for coming on. Uh, we want to thank everyone who's going to watch the show. We appreciate that too. Remember to join the Facebook group and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can get shows earlier on the YouTube channel than what you will on the Facebook group page. So keep that in mind. So we'll see you all next time. Good night. God bless.